welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And I've got a fascinating topic that we're going to be discussing today. It's called Loving the Unlovable. So we've got an expert. Her name is Alexis Donkin. Uh, She is a fabulous intuitive life coach that I've invited on today's podcast to talk about loving the unlovable. So welcome, Alexis. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. My pleasure. And I love this topic, loving the unlovable, because off air, you did speak about that, not just being in relation to yourself, but with with other people. Can you go into that in a little bit more detail? Sure. So I think that um, one of the biggest problems that we have right now, actually, is as people, as humans, is loving and accepting those parts of ourselves that are unlovable. And a lot of people talk about that. And then when we connect that with loving the unlovable parts of other people, that's when some real magic can happen. So uh, I think it's really really important that we that we look at both sides of that. So in terms of um, when you're talking about the unlovable, what, what sort of things are you referring to specifically? Well, if we're talking about um, ourselves, we could be thinking about those parts of ourselves that we like to hide. You know, the parts that we feel ashamed of. Um, Some people use the Jungian term shadow um, to talk about those kinds of things. So embracing those parts of ourselves and accepting them, that's when we can kind of learn to move past them and through them. It can also mean uh, rewriting some of the stories that we've been telling ourselves about how worthy we are. You know, if we're not producing a lot of a lot of times in our adult life, we feel like we have we our value is tied to our work, um, and so for people who are not getting paid for their work, <laughs> yeah. they may feel like they're not as valued, and so saying separating value from what you're doing, but just how you are being, can be um, a really important. Uh, transition. And then when we're looking at people outside of ourselves, maybe our spouse or our kids or the neighbor or a politician, (laughs) Um, you know, there's a lot of things we could say that might be unlovable. And this is kind of, it's kind of like a, a Buddhist approach, I would almost say, is just seeing the humanity and seeing that even those parts and those other people that we don't like are part of an overall package. And so the individual pieces might be, you know, a pothole or, um, you know, a detour or something like that. But when we look at the overall picture, it's, it's beautiful and we actually want it in our life. And so that's when we can kind of really enjoy and, and start to really connect um with with the people around us so you're not specifically referring to then when we say for example 
um, we're in a relationship, uh, whether that's a married married partner or a uh, long term relationship or short term relationship, and you're putting up with unacceptable behavior. That's not what you're talking about. No, not at all. I mean, if someone is doing something that's actually hurtful, that's, that's a whole other that's a whole other ball game. But like, let's say you're in, you know, you're in a otherwise reasonable relationship, um, and your partner is just they're just leaving their dirty socks on the floor (laughs) or, or, you know, they're not, um, you know, they're not putting the bath mat up when, after they've taken a shower something like that. I mean, these are things that they might be annoying and they might be things that like, if you didn't, if you weren't dating this person or if you weren't married to this person, you might get frustrated with, and you would be like, "Uh, I'm not putting up with this. But because it's part of the package, you're like, actually, I'm grateful that this person is here. And this is a sign that they're here and present with me and that they get to that I get to have them in my life. Does that mean that they should not be putting up the bath mat? No, <laughs> but it it is a kind of a different way of approaching it and seeing it because the person is flawed. I mean, we're all flawed. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And so you just have to kind of give space for people to be themselves in with that imperfection and see it for the beauty that it is. I suppose um, what I term not sweating the small stuff, basically. Yes. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. And it can help, you know, if you're going through a rough patch in a relationship that can really transform it is when you, if you're focusing on all of the little things that you find annoying, that you find frustrating, you're going to, they're going to build up, they're going to compound and they're going to make, you know, the small things are going to become big things. But if you're able to kind of switch, you know, shift the focus and kind of change the story that you're talking, you're telling yourself about this person, then you're going to be able to, you know, have, you're going to say, yeah, no, actually, I do value this relationship. Actually, I do value having even these little frustrating bits about them. And then you're also going to put in a little more effort, you know, to healing those parts that maybe aren't going so well. Absolutely. So, um otherwise it just builds up to a huge resentment internally doesn't it that that could yes. eventually lead to the straw breaking the camel's back over stupid little incidents really that need not have become a big deal absolutely absolutely so could you give us a practical example then say if um you were talking to a girlfriend let's say or a client and they were saying they you know the one thing that their partner does that really irritates them is is them leaving their clothes on the floor, for example, like you, you give the socks example. What yeah. would you say would be a good reframe to to say to yourself to switch that situation to make it acceptable and and not worth sweating about? Well, there's there's actually there's a couple of things that I would say. One is you know make sure that this isn't part of a larger pattern <laughs> because if it is, then you're going to have to have a different conversation. But if it's one of those things where it's just like you're already frustrated and it's just a little thing, then I really recommend that it's like, okay, I'm grateful that they're here. 
I'm grateful that they're in my life, that I get to live with them and I get to spend my time with them and that they have clothing that I get to wash. I know it sounds like what, but I mean, (laughs) but, but really, because the other option is you don't, you know, they're not there. There isn't a partner's clothing to wash. They're gone. And that's an emptiness. You know, that's sad. That's not something that you want. You actually want this person to be here. So even though it's frustrating, it's also like, thank God this person is here with me. And I get the privilege of doing those things for them. And it totally changes how you feel about it. It's like, I do this with my kids too. Like if they're dropping crumbs and stuff, I'm like, I'm grateful that I'm, that I get to do this, you know? So any of those little kinds of things that that annoy you, you can just think like the, the alternative is they're not here and I want them to be here. So I want, I want this and I choose this. And it really means. I mean, that's a great response, but what would be maybe your words of advice around the conversation with the partner about it? Would you uh, suggest they, uh, you know, have a conversation about it or just literally reframe it in their own head? Um, I, it's, like I said, it's definitely like a two prong. Like you want to, you want to change how you're thinking about it. And you also want to have a conversation. Although I will say that when, you start to reframe things your behavior to your partner will change and that will change the dynamic in your relationship and they may be more interested and more willing to do things for you so you know you may you may start telling yourself you know i'm grateful that i that this person is here with me and then you're going to be kinder to them you're going to treat them like the treasure that they are, you know, because they're bringing you these wonderful things to your life that you're, that you appreciate. And then they're, and then when you say, Hey, I really want you to be putting your clothes directly into the hamper or when it gets, when the laundry gets really full, I really need you to put your clothes a load into the washing machine. Can you do that for me? They're going to be more receptive and they're going to say, Oh yeah, I can do that. And you can even say, you can even take it a step further and say, this is a way you can show me love, Um, you know, and, and because it is, you know, these acts, these little acts that we do are expressions of love. So if that's a way, if, if acts of service is a way that you like to be shown love, you, you need to say that, you know, you need to say, I mean, there was a time in my marriage um, that my husband, he really, I, I wasn't very good at complimenting him. I'll own that. Um, and he said, I really need compliments. I really need you to tell me nice things. <laughs> so I said, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and so I started doing that. But but you have to have that conversation. If you don't tell the person what you need, how you want to be shown love and how you want to be cared for, they're not going to know. You can't assume that they'll know. And so um, that that's another, you know, that's a kind of like the next step of, um, of, of kind of healing and, and getting to a better place in your relationship. 100% agree. And it's a far kinder way of communicating rather than finger pointing and getting angry and laying blame, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have our moments where we're going to yell at each other, <laughs> especially those closest to it. And also after you do that, you know, you want to say, Hey, I'm really sorry. 
that I that I yelled at you. I was just getting frustrated. And and can you do? You know, you have this this kinder conversation, and it will be received better. Absolutely, and um, I love that you said you know it's a two pronged attack, and first of all, reframe it in your own head, and then you're going to be coming at it from a place of love, aren't you? Uh, rather than from a place of frustration when you do have that conversation. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, I was an interesting uh, thing that I also learned on my journey. And I think it was um, something by John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And he said that men respond better to rather than can you or could you to changing that to will you or would you? In other words, mm. the, the W words rather than the C words. Mm. Um, because he says, think about it when a man proposes he doesn't say can you marry me he says will you marry me <laughs> there you go and apparently that is something that works better with men because it then doesn't come across as you um questioning whether they're capable of doing it or not it comes across as you know something you would like yeah so yeah, yeah. just an interesting observation that when you were talking about the can and, and could I thought mm, maybe I need to share this <laughs> There you go. So in terms of loving the unlovable, what made you sort of, I suppose, become an expert or specialise around this subject, Alexis? Or did you have own, your own personal story around this? Well, <laughs> um, I think that everybody has a message that's kind of engraved in their heart. Um, if you dig down a little bit, you'll find it. And some of us, it, it's it's carved in really deep. And so it's, it's, there's no avoiding it. Um, and for me, that was love. And I don't just mean like romantic love. I mean, all love. Um, I think that it, it started, it actually started when I was, um, in Central America and I, was on a mission trip of all things <laughs> and I was just listening to stories of people um talking about it in particular in Nicaragua I was listening to stories of people talking about their experience of the war and I listened to a number of different um stories from different perspectives and I just didn't want to um to participate in that anymore I didn't want to be part of machine and it kind of that experience kind of started me down a path of looking at how we treat each other um as as humans and then the ways in which we could get better at treating one another and i kind of it like it, it slowly evolved into this um this pursuit of compassion in particular and than thinking about compassion for myself and that's kind of where the idea of loving the unlovable originally like that phrase and when I use that when I'm talking about that that's usually what I'm kind of focused on but also um kind of loving the unlovable in other people um as I've gone through in my practice with my clients with myself um just thinking about those things and um and really uh embodying the golden rule you know treating others as you wish to be treated loving yourself as you love others you know there's the and loving others as you love yourself um 
it it really it's one of those universal tenets of all ethical codes and spiritual codes um and there's a reason so in terms of sharing a practical example would you mind sharing with the audience about what did you find for yourself was unlovable that you worked on ah um so when i first started thinking about that i i had i had a moment in my life um i was seven months pregnant with my first child and my husband lost his job and i'm in the u.s and at that time if you didn't have a a good job you didn't have health insurance right and so we lost health our health insurance and that kind of sent us on this whole spiral of like oh my god you know what am i you know what am i doing with my life <laughs> what's going to happen and i had to really confront these feelings of um of frustration of shame of unworthiness um so i i kind of systematically went through all these type like pieces of myself that I, that I found shameful, um, that really needed to be worked. Um, and what specifically did you find shameful in that situation, Alexis, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I mean, I like, you know, it's, it was, I was a gifted kid who was supposed to be, you know, I like everybody always expected that I would have, you know, that I would do all the things and that I would be, you know, successful. And of course, now we know that gifted kids don't necessarily, um, you know, giftedness isn't necessarily tied to success. Um, certainly not financial success, that it's just, oh, they need, they need different stuff at school. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the only thing. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I had been told and I had these expectations for my life. And instead, as an adult, I found myself in a series of economic crashes, you know, wars, uh, bad labor markets, all these different things, not having, you know, not being able to buy a house, those kinds of things um, that previous generations just didn't have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, you know being told that you were allowed that you were supposed to that you were entitled to these things and then the being confronted by the reality that that's not going to happen it's not going to be like that um and then does that mean that i'm not good enough does it mean that there that i did something wrong of course not but and and if you think about it for for five seconds or longer you realize that no of course not there's there's things that are that are there are forces that are out in the world that we have no control over that we have to work within and so confronting those pieces in ourselves accepting the fact that you are powerful that you do have amazing abilities that your worth is not tied to what you produce or what somebody else says about you sorry mm. i'm getting so emotional because it's no it's good it's good that you're getting emotional because i can tell you're really feeling into this and are passionate about what you're speaking about it's 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 such a sadness 
to see all these people feel so much pain around this, you know, to have been promised things culturally, um, you know, within families and with all these different things and then to not, you know, to not get them, um, to not be cared for culturally in a society. It's, it's awful, Mm. but that doesn't mean that you are any less human. No, of course not. And we, but we do put these unrealistic pressures and expectations on ourselves sometimes, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's not, I mean, I think it's really important to say it's not just ourselves, you know, like there's, you can do the work, but unfortunately a lot of it is aftercare. I feel like, Mm. you know, it's not because the, the way that we've structured the world (laughs) Mm -hmm. is just not taking care of people as well as we need to. And, and I think owning the fact that like, yeah, we're doing aftercare, you know, like, like a lot of this, a lot of this conversation is about aftercare. It's about like accepting the fact that like, these are these big forces that we can that we don't have control over and it's okay like like you're like it's not you can't expect that this is going to work out a certain way and and this is where i'm going to offer another reframe is if you think about it like a game it takes the pressure off you know you have to say okay these are the these are the rules of the game and I'm just going to play and see how much fun I can have and how much success I can have. And if I lose some, it's not a big deal. And if I gain some, it's also not a big deal. It's just a game and I'm just going to have fun. And it doesn't say anything about me and my value and my worthiness and whether or not, you know, I'm still human. I'm still, there's, it's still good and important for me to be here living my life and being who I am. Absolutely. I feel a, a good phrase that I use quite often is if I'm going through some sort of challenging period, I, I just, uh, you know, observe it and just think to myself, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder why this is happening. <laughs> and, and just observe it, you <laughs> yeah. know, and not, not get emotional around it either way, not think of it as being a good thing or a bad thing, just thinking this is interesting. And, and yeah. what am I meant to learn from this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's, that's it. I mean, you know, that's the idea. Like if, if you want to think about it as a game, if you want to be like, Hey, what am I going to learn from this? I mean, just kind of like a, a less attached to what's going to happen and maybe a sense of curiosity about it. That yes. it really, it really helps like <laughs> just kind of like, okay. And then you move through it. And the reality is like moving through the challenges is also great. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I like to reinforce that, you know, that we've been successful 100% of the time of overcoming our previous challenges. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it's worth, you know, knowing in your own head that it's only going to be temporary and you've overcome your previous challenges and you'll overcome this one. Absolutely. Yeah. So Alexis, any final words around loving the unlovable that you feel we're not covered in terms of either related to the self or relating to others? I just say that I think when you're 
when you're thinking about yourself, um, this is, there's three things that, um, that I want people to kind of take away. One is, um, accept yourself, forgive yourself for anything and everything <laughs> that you've done before. You're going to do better. It's fine. Um, and you are worthy. You're, you're more than enough. Fabulous. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And in terms of if anybody's listening that would love to connect with you and um, the work that you do around loving the unlovable, what's your best contact information, Alexis? Um, you can find me on, actually, you can find me on Instagram. Let's let's do that. <laughs> and it's just at alexis.donkin. At alexis.donkin. Thank you so much, Alexis. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being vulnerable in being uh, courageous enough to share your own personal experiences as well as your um, wise, wonderful learnings as a result of going through what you've been through yourself. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So it just leaves me to say, listeners, that true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.